Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong, the podcast that is hosted by me, Mark Ellis. Hello, welcome back. And to Jacqueline Coley is here. She's back akin (laughs) to the villain that we're talking about in this horror franchise. You just can't get rid of her. She takes some vacations. She takes some work trips. She's back. Jacqueline, you've been all over the globe. You've been jet setting. You've been hobnobbing. You've been watching movies, drinking champagne. How is the... I'm good. I'm glad to be back. You guys were admirable. I loved the Topher Grace episode. I I will say all of them were great, but having that moment, having you have your thing. And also I might add, because Mark knows that like that was my first crush. Was Topher Grace? Yeah. Yes. You picked the right one. Yeah. That was my first crush. Some ladies uh, picked me. They picked the wrong one. Wrong one. Well, I'm glad yeah. we I'm glad we did. And look, I am back. And it's good that we're doing it on this one because I literally think like Freddie's back, payback. Like this is just like <laughs> it, it's like a, a moment of return, don't you think? I think that you can never quite shake Freddy Krueger. I don't care how uh, one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies ends. If you're like, oh, finally, we can go back to sleep. It's like, Kenya, for how long I would take Metallica's advice and sleep with one eye open because Mm. you never know with Freddy Krueger. Jacqueline and I were back talking together. It's like our conversation fits like an old glove, like somebody else relies on that has a lot of razor blades (laughs) on it. Jacqueline, you, you have a very different relationship with scary movies in general than I do. So I, I want to get into that once we once we, we actually start the movie talk portion, like where we're all coming from psychologically mm-hmm. into these horror movies. But for right now, there is a, there's an editorial shout out I want to give because we're here in the midst of spooky season. It's Halloween season. It's uh, dentists love this time of year. And there's a great article on RottenTomatoes.com that's all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies ranked. And so you can see the ranking according to Tomato Meter, which our good friend Tim Ryan is about to reveal to us. But it's just a fun sort of walk for me anyway down memory lane of my childhood seeing um, and and it's a moment of pride for me, Jacqueline, because, you know, the movies in the Nightmare on Elm Street canon that really had an effect on me that I still have an affinity for. And I think they're very well represented yes. is what I'll say. I think and, I did. Yeah. I did good with my opinions and I feel validated by the tomato meter. I I think you're right on that. And also, can I just say, like, whenever I think of you, Mark, I very much think of you as a guy that went away to, like, the very idyllic, no offense, waspy summer camps. Like, (laughs) 
<laughs> like, I know you probably weren't, but I'm like, I just feel like you had an Indian summer somewhere in your past. Do you think decades. I was like one of the other kids at that camp that they went to in Adam's Family Values? Is that what you're accusing me of? Okay, well, this, not, is, this is what I'm happens not saying when, that. I'm not when saying we haven't that. Seen, seen each other in a while. But I actually did go to a summer camp that was right next door to a nuclear power plant. And I was watching <laughs> the Three Mile Island documentary on Netflix last night. It, was, it wasn't a Three Mile Island one, but... Uh, that's where I went. So it was pretty much like I was in The Simpsons. I love that so much. But yeah, yeah. no, we'll get into it. I also want to add, before we get too far along, I want everyone, while they can, to pick up LA Magazine, if you haven't, ladies and gentlemen, or check oh, out the digital copy, because you. I don't know if you know this, but uh, we got a nice little uh, magazine cover boy amongst us today with Mr. Mark Ellis. It's a great article. You were great in it. And I even got a shout out. It was cute. You got a shout out. I'm not sure I got our meeting history entirely right, but I think it's pretty accurate. No, yeah, I so. think you got it. You got okay. it very accurate. You got. It I know I got accurate. the Meg part right. You, you got to read you the. You did article, get the Meg. That's yeah, where no, Jack and I really shifted this friendship into the next gear. So uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. We love Freddy Krueger, even though he's the one murdering teenagers. I don't know who to root for—a guy from hell who's evil or teenagers. It's a tough call there, and it just sort of repeats. And then you have these these rises and these falls. Uh, you know, you get sequelitis sometimes with the Nightmare on Elm Street, but then you get something wholly original, like Wes Craven's new Nightmare. You get to see Freddy and Jason tussle. You get to see a remake. So we want to get into our opinions here on a Nightmare on Elm Street, and we're going to do that today with a very special guest who is well-versed in all things horror. He doesn't just watch the horror movies. He makes them. He has uh, directed a few brilliant short films with his company, Amateur Hour Films. He is the host of the Wangers podcast alongside our producer, Brian Perez and Cody Hall. And occasionally he puts me through my paces as a producer at Rotten Tomatoes. It is the owner of Draco the Wonder Dog, Christian Ruvalcaba, making his first guest appearance here on Rotten Tomatoes yeah. is Wrong. Good Ooh. day, sir. Hello. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is so much fun. This is uh, my my favorite time of the year. It's spooky month. And uh, what better way to celebrate that than talking my favorite horror franchise of all time? Oh you a gosh. costume guy? No, no. It's my favorite time, but I never dress up. Never do it. Really? Now, now that I now that I have a dog, uh, now I'm going to have to dress up. We're dressing <laughs> him up, so I have to be part of it. This is a recent dog edition? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, And you named him Draco? Yeah, he when we got him from the shelter, my girlfriend's a huge Harry Potter fan and his full name already was Draco Malfoy. And she was like, he's perfect. <laughs> so. <laughs> so he's a, he's our little Draco Malfoy. He doesn't act. He's more of a Hufflepuff. Really. I mean, that's I mean, like kind of naming your kid Joffrey. I'm like, yeah, OK. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think I see. I, I'll defend Christian just with the Joffrey example, because I feel like Draco was the name of that kid, that evil kid. And mm -hmm. then Joffrey came along. True. And it's like, it, it, now you can name your kid Draco again. You just can't name a Joffrey Fair. anymore. Yeah. Fair. Like, there's a worse kid. Because remember, it, back in our day, it was like the good son. It was Macaulay Culkin and the good son. That was like the crazy kid you didn't want to be. I, myself. with Christian Rubalcaba as a producer and engineer, might be recording a Versus episode of the career of Elijah Wood versus... versus. Not Macaulay Culkin, but Elijah Wood gets a lot of mention in The Good Son in the vid. So wow. there's a lot of stuff going on here at Rotten Tomatoes. We're very excited about all of it. Christian Rubalcaba is on board. He did a deep dive into Nightmare on Elm Street. I've been doing a deep dive my entire life, and Jacqueline has her highlights and lowlights as well. So before we get into movie talking, there's a lot to discuss here with everybody's favorite stand-up comics slash evil villain child murderer. Let's go to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong's own review curate, 
it, it really does the reviews for really everybody that submits their reviews. It's Tim Ryan. He's the guy that sort of puts it all together, gets the uh, the, the percentage along with our great team at Rotten Tomatoes. So Tim Ryan is going to tell us what the critics were saying about the releases of Nightmare on Elm Street, the highlights. He's going to run us down the list uh, from tomato meter top to bottom. Tim Ryan, it's your two minutes. Take it away. Two minutes waiting. Like any horror franchise, the Nightmare on Elm Street films have had their ups and downs. That said, the Freddy Krueger saga has a higher share of undeniable winners than many of its ilk. And critics and audiences are generally in agreement about each entry in the series. Let's break it down. A Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984 is certified fresh at 95% on the tomato meter, and it has an 84% audience score. A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge from 1985, is rotten at 40%, and it has a 33% audience score. A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors from 1987, is fresh at 72%, and it has a 68% audience score. A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master from 1988, is rotten at 53%, and it has a 43% audience score. A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child from 1989, is rotten at 28%, and it has a 31% audience score. The, in retrospect, mistitled Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare from 1991 is rotten at 23% and it has a 32% audience score. Wes Craven's new Nightmare from 1994 is certified fresh at 79% and it has a 66% audience score. The Friday the 13th crossover Freddy vs. Jason from 2003 is rotten at 42% and it has a 50% audience score. And finally, the 2010 reboot, A Nightmare on Elm Street, is rotten at 14% and it has a 43% audience score. So what do the critics have to say? In a fresh review for the 1984 Nightmare on Elm Street, Variety called it a highly imaginative horror film that provides the requisite shocks to keep fans of the genre happy. However, in a rotten review for the 2010 Nightmare on Elm Street, Nicholas Sal of the San Francisco Chronicle wrote, People have dreams and either get their guts ripped out or don't get their guts ripped out. And then, after 90 or so minutes are used up, the movie finds some weak pretext for ending. So that's the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. And here's a weird bit of trivia. Almost 28 years prior to this recording, on October 14th, 1994, you could head down to the theater to watch the certified fresh Wes Craven's new Nightmare. Or, among the other certified fresh opening releases, you could take your pick between Pulp Fiction, The Shawshank Redemption, Hoop Dreams, or the indie romantic comedy, I Like It Like That. Oh, and Ed Wood and Quiz Show hit theaters the week before, and Clerks would be released the week after. So, pretty good stretch for movies. Back to you folks. All right, pretty good little pocket of uh, movie-going lore there with, I don't know what you take if you're going to the movies, and I'm sure a lot of folks would say Pulp Fiction. I would probably end up walking into Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Christian, if those are your options that you just heard in 1994 when you were still a zygote, where are you walking into? What's the theater? I mean, Mark, you know I'm a huge basketball guy. I'm going Hoop Dreams. No, I'm it's kidding. a I'm going great to- documentary. <laughs> and I got stuff at the Oscars. It is a <laughs> yes, great documentary. But I'm there with Nightmare for sure. And then I hear the buzz about Pulp Fiction. I'll go in and check that out afterwards. I, sure. I believe one of those people buzzing about Pulp Fiction is going to be Jacqueline. I think this is where yes. we part ways, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. No, I would. I absolutely would have been. In fact, Pulp Fiction um, did not play in the theater where I could see it for like ever. I was so upset because I grew up in Corpus Christi, Texas, and it was a Miramax film, but Miramax wasn't thing back then they're 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 mo- they were like focus features they were just much smaller no i was i was the same way i was in williamsburg virginia and my older sister and her friends had to drive to richmond to go see pulp fiction they came back raving about it and i'm like but i want to go see the pulp yeah. movie 
So yeah. um, anyway, that's what well, maybe we'll talk about that on a future episode. Who knows yeah. what's going to happen here? But for right now, let's hit the music for movie talk. Ah, oh, finally. It's just like, I know it freaks people out, but I think Christian is the same way. It just, you start talking about a franchise like this that is so steeped in horror war, and it's just this mythologically great villain, if not all the movies living up to that. It's just like a warm blanket for, for us, Jacqueline, but you seem <laughs> to have a different outlook on scary movies. What is your take on scary movies? What was it when you were a kid? What ingratiated you to it? What steered you away from it? Now we're here as adults and you feel how? I hate scary movies, or I did. <laughs> I don't. I love them now. But when I was like younger, what it was is the first thing I watched that was scary was Tales from the Crypt and the Twilight Zone. <laughs> yes. And I learned very quickly with horror, certain scary things I was cool with and certain scary things would mean my mother was in my room at four or five times in the night was screaming <laughs> jags. And so horror wasn't that I didn't enjoy it. It was just unsafe. I have since aged and matured and the nightmares don't like come to me. But literally, I remember I was like 16 and went on a date. And you know how boys were back in the day. Take her to the scary movie, dog. Like, yeah, so we're still kind of like up. that. Yeah. Like, let me tell you how this went down. Uh, he took me to the scary movie. She was traumatized and never spoke to him again. <laughs> what was the movie? It was The Grudge. And it wasn't oh, even that yeah. scary, but I was yeah. done. I was done with him. I told you I didn't want to see a scary movie. I told you I didn't like scary movies. And then you took me to a scary movie. I had nightmares. So I called him the next morning and broke up with him. No see, lie. I'm, Terry, I'm, if you're listening to this, I oh, stand poor, by it. Poor Terry. <laughs> Terry, you don't. Here's the problem with taking someone to a scary movie that you're romantically interested in. You don't take them to a scary movie where a lot of the stuff happens in the bedroom. Because then if you happen to get lucky later on, maybe Jacqueline and Terry probably too young, but you get into the bedroom, then you're just thinking about that and that scene, which is why Nightmare on Elm Street, great horror movies. I don't know that they're necessarily date night horror fair. Um, Christian, mm. your gateway into horror movies in general, let's back up a step, yeah. was what? And did you take to it immediately? Did you get freaked out? What was the play? Well, I'm, I'm in a similar boat with Jacqueline because I too was a, was a big scaredy cat. Like I... I just hated everything scary, even even to like like scenes from like Jurassic Park. Everything was terrifying to me. Wow, and okay. uh, it, it was actually the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise that really got me into horror. Um, uh, the, the first the movie that actually got me into it was uh, Freddy's Revenge, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, because I was at a sleepover with friends and their mom, his mom uh, got a couple uh, VHSs from Blockbuster. You guys remember those? Uh, and she said, I got Nightmare on Elm Street. All the kids were all excited. And I was like, yeah, cool. And I didn't want to be that one guy that was like, no, I don't want to watch that. I'd rather watch Willy Wonka. Um, yeah, can't so, be a Freddy cat in that situation. Can't no, admit it. Even that movie has some scary stuff in it. But yes, it does. She, she she pops it in and it turns out to be Freddy's, Freddy's Revenge, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. And if anybody knows anything about that movie, it's it's a little silly. And there's actually some subtext to it that I would learn later about it in life. And but it, but it, the movie like kind of taught me that horror movies don't have to be always that scary. It's not always it doesn't always have to be, you know, The Exorcist or The Blair Witch Project that they can be kind of fun and silly. And um, that really kind of like, OK, that kind of opened it up. And then over the years, I just started liking the more twisted and messed up stuff. 
you know. It's it, it is a gateway. It is yeah. walking through that gate. And so it's literal in the sense of a nightmare on Elm Street, because a lot of times when a teenager has fallen asleep, even though they're trying to stay awake and they're going to tussle with Freddy, they find themselves standing in front of a house with a creepy gate. And there's like a tricycle. And it's like, oh, don't walk into the house. They always walk into the house. We know what's going to happen after that. Don't go to the boiler room. So you are making great points here. Jacqueline, you really should do more podcasting. Here's the thing. <laughs> Because like, like, like Jacqueline said that she loved watching Tales from the Crypt as a kid. And the, the genius of Tales from the Crypt and the thing that made it palatable to me is that the Crypt Keeper himself was horrendous looking, scary, but funny. Could, yeah. could, could deliver mm -hmm. a joke, could yep. have a funny setup and a nice payoff. Same thing with Freddy Krueger. And so whereas The Exorcist, and, and I'll even give you some credit for the grudge, Jacqueline, because there's not a lot of levity in those movies. There's not a lot of joking around. Freddy himself, particularly as the movies continued to make more sequels, Freddy got funnier and funnier. And it was almost mm -hmm. like you were rooting for Freddy. Oh, by now let me give it to run. you. Camp. Freddie is the original drag queen, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. <laughs> Let me tell you, I can't wait till we get into deeper into it. But no, Freddie is drag. Freddie is camp. Freddie is heightened costumery. And so, yeah, like every ounce of that, the more they lean into it. And Robert is Egg England. 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 Sis. <laughs> he yep. is sassier than a gay man on RuPaul's Drag Race. I love it. <laughs> I that um, we have a great video, and I really hope, Brian, you pull it up, where Jordan Peele talks about Freddy, and he says, like, how much he loves that movie, and he's just like, dinner served. Mm -hmm. Like, just that level of, like, gore and camp. Leprechaun does that really well, too. When we got to the 80s and the supernatural killers and, like, Freddy's out there killing, you know, people and, and um, you know, doing, like, a bit, like, you know, you know, dinner is served, you know, when you're doing the, the bit, he became like a surrogate for the audience in this weird way. And I feel like he, he tapped in to some suppressed aggression, something that needed to get out. And it became this, this different kind of interactive experience where you start cheering and rooting for the, the killer and the, um, the, the, the teenagers uh, you know, become more, less and less likable in their portrayal. If we look at the movies, though, I mean, at some point, the movie has to hold up. Like, I think that's the thing that sunk the leprechaun is that we love him. He's cute. He's funny. But it, the movie's never really that good. The first A Nightmare on Elm Street way back in 1984, I think, has earned its place as the number one movie on this list. But Christian, you're our esteemed guest today. I'll turn it over to you. When you hear that rundown that mm -hmm. Tim Ryan gave us from top to bottom, it's on RottenTomatoes.com right now. What is your take? Is it accurate? Do you have a lot of beef there? No, I mean, I think I think maybe some of the movies being rotten is a little too harsh. I mean, I, I also have a personal just like love for these movies. I, I can recognize that they're not like of, of the best quality, especially mm. when you know a lot of the behind the scenes and the production of a lot of these films where they just kind of rushed it and were writing as they were making them. <laughs> but like, I think the top three being... Night, the the original nightmare, Wes Craven's new nightmare, and Dream Warriors is is totally perfect and accurate. Um, I would give a little bit more room for Freddy versus Jason because that is like the most fun 
yeah. movie I think I've ever seen. Mm. Um, and then also Freddy's Freddy's Revenge, that one too, because it has just a soft spot in my heart. I think um, there's some there's some really good stuff in that one. Again, there's a there's a little bit of uh, behind the scenes for that movie, which uh, if you want to a great companion piece to Freddy's Revenge is actually a, a documentary called Scream Queen, My Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street. It is wonderful. Uh, Mark Patton, who stars in that movie, went through so much stuff in that movie. And now he's kind of, you know, taking uh, what he was referred to as back then as as like the first like male scream queen. Um, mm. And he's just taking it to heart and actually like owning it now. And for the longest time, he didn't. Um, so there's a lot of uh, history with that and the rest of the franchise. But I think the list overall is is pretty solid. Yeah, Jacqueline, I would look at A Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984, the, the original one, with the same eyes that I would even do John Carpenter's 1978 Halloween, simply because those were made on shoestring budgets. Halloween cost under 400 grand to make and obviously turned a huge profit. A Nightmare on Elm Street cost around a million dollars to make, which wasn't a lot of money even back then, and it ended up grossing $57 million. Mm -hmm. It was a hit. It felt original. It's Wes Craven behind the camera. So when you see that movie, you see the potential not just for this movie, movie to be a recurring scary classic around this time of year but you really do see a franchise being launched yeah i mean that's the kicker with this too and i think what's interesting with horror and one of the reasons why i like came around on horror is with franchises when they're done well and even if there's like bad entries or high up entries so long as they all hold the same i think tone and theme you can like fall in love with it the way that christian does and so i think look is a lot of them you know, want to throw it out of the boat? Sure. <laughs> but I also think there's later entries, and I would absolutely agree on Freddy versus Jason, where even though they stayed within the tone of Nightmare Before Elm Street, they still pushed it in a way. And st it's like they built a framework and an archetype. And the directors that I think are the best are the ones that that push those but didn't like abandon them. Mm -hmm. The later entries abandon them. Yeah. Freddy versus Jason is it's 42 percent rotten. And its its audience score is fifty percent. And if we just want to dive into that movie, I will say that I can agree with the audience. I cannot get fresh on that movie. I was <laughs> so excited for that, and I get that they're trying to lean into the tone of the '80s, but they're still trying to modernize it for 2003. I think is when it was released, and yeah. it's these two iconic villains going back and forth. And I just felt so like this should be epic, and it never felt like that to me. It it felt like just a, a slowly the air coming out of a pool float until the end when there's this battle and then they're just setting us up for this ridiculous sequel with Jason walking out of the water after mm -hmm. we think that he's killed Freddy and decapitated him. He's holding Freddy's head <laughs> and the last thing you see is Freddy wink. I want a definitive winner mm -hmm. or I want more movies. Like you, you got to give me one or the other. You can't just yeah. have that be the last thing that we see. Sorry, yeah. that that alone deserves a rotten rating from me. Yeah, no, I, I I get it. It, it, especially because the movie has such a great concept behind it. The fact that people aren't afraid of Freddy anymore. So he uses Jason to install that fear so he can come back. I think the only flaw to that is that the movie ends up being more of a Friday the 13th movie than it than it's a nightmare movie. Yeah, the, the sequences that we have with Freddy are are few and they're great because they actually he actually pulls 
Um, <laughs> he actually pulls Jason into his dream and you throwing him around like a pinball. It's great. That's a cool scene. Yeah. It's really, really cool. But you don't even get a lot of Freddy kills. I think he only kills like one person in the entire movie. And it's 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 mostly a Jason movie. So there's a lot of stuff that they could have like done. And that movie was in development hell for the longest time. Uh, fun fact. Did you know what one of the uh, like proposed endings would have been for that movie? No, it's, it's got to be better than the wink. Give so it to me. Pitch one of me. the one of the pitches, I think. I don't think. I think maybe there's storyboard for it. But uh, as the two are fighting each other, um, then all of a sudden, like they get like pulled into hell, and Pinhead pulls them apart and tells them to cut it out. And he says, "Stop it! You two need to stop doing this." And they introduce Pinhead into it. And there's also comic books, I think, where they do more Freddy vs. Jason. Ash from Evil Dead gets involved as well. So there's a lot of fanfic out there. People Absolutely. still love Hellraiser. People mm-hmm. still Can love just- Hellraiser. <laughs> That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Can I just say this? Because I feel like we're going to get to this episode and we're not going to be able to really dive deep into the encyclopedic knowledge of what Christian has inside his brain. (laughs) So can I just take a moment of frivolity and have you, I'm not even kidding, like Mm -hmm. I'm dead ass on this. Give me like the top three like shocking Christian things that you've got on the Nightmare from Elm Street franchise. Because I guarantee you they're they're better than anything we would be able to say (laughs) for the rest of this episode. Legit, like just give me like three or like just give me one of your favorite mind-blowing Nightmare on Elm Street facts. Just one great one. A Uh, good one. Like like your favorite one. My favorite one. Um, Christian, think on this for a minute because I got a good one for Jacqueline too because it's one that I learned in prepping for this episode is that around the year 2000, they were, because again, this is coming off of the heat, the the critical and fan heat from uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare which was sort of a resurgence because it was so meta and it was like looking mm-hmm. into Freddy and then Freddy looking deeper into Freddy and Robert England and Heather Langenkamp are back. And it's it's a really cool journey inside the mind of Wes Craven. And then in 2000, there were plans to develop a prequel mm-hmm. to the first Nightmare on Elm Street that was going to be set in hell, at least partially. Ah. And so you get to sort of see that and you might get to see like the parents getting together and killing Freddy um, in real life. Mm-hmm. But it was scrapped and and a big reason why it was scrapped is because the Adam Sandler movie Little Nicky, which was also set primarily in hell, did not do well at the box office. It was oh, the first big great. big bomb for Adam Sandler. That and was so, the first big bomb for Adam Sandler. And, and I so then that. New Line is like, ah, we, we can't do movies based in hell. It's not going to work. And so we didn't get the prequel. And I think that would have been a cool way to take it. Um, but yeah, so so that's my little factoid for the day, Christian. What's your 
what, what's your uh, mic drop moment? Well, I will say, uh, I'll say any facts that I know, it's all because of it. And maybe this could be one of them uh, is because there is a great like six hour documentary on the Nightmare on Elm Street series called Never Sleep Again. It's uh, a nightmare <laughs> legacy or something like that. It is awesome because it does take you through all the behind the scenes and, and it's all the producers. It's Wes Craven. It's a lot of the actors and they tell it as it is. They say this is BS. This was crap. Uh, we had to write all this stuff because the studio wanted to do it. Bob Shea had his hand in this franchise and had to be like in every single like he makes cameos in every single one of these movies just because he, he really, really wanted to. And then and then I think one of the coolest things is like right around where Nightmare when New Nightmare came out. Uh, they came to Wes Craven. They said they wanted him to make another one. And he's like, all right, fine. Let me take a look at all these movies and I'll see what I can do. And he actually had the idea for New Nightmare like around the time I think uh, Dream Warriors came out. Or mm. it, it was kind of like floating in his brain a little bit. So after he rewatched everything, he said, all right, you know what? I, I'll do another one, but I'm going to do it my way. And he literally casts Bob Shea. He casts like an executive producer, all the actors, Robert Englund, Heather Langenkamp, and everybody comes back. And he just has this play on on this franchise in Hollywood and making this movie meta and making Freddy an actual demon. And, and honestly, one of the scariest versions of Freddy I think we've ever yep. seen. Still a couple of his little quips here and there, like you want to play skin the cat, all that really great stuff. <laughs> but it's just it's just fascinating. I think almost more so than these movies, as much as I love them, the behind the scenes and all the drama that happened behind all them is just as fascinating because it just it shows you how these movies are made. And I would love to see something like like a, another like six or eight hour documentary series on the paranormal movies or the Saw franchise, because I'm sure they ran into those same things where they were kind of just writing as they were coming out because they were forced to make these movies. I've never heard a boring backstory on a classic horror film. The Exorcist clearly mm -hmm. has like the curse set, as does mm -hmm. Poltergeist, The Conjuring, like they built a house to recreate it, but that house still started making people feel real uncomfortable. So it's really intriguing stuff going all the way back deep into Wes Craven's history because the name Freddy Krueger mm -hmm. actually came from Wes's childhood. Fred Krueger was the name of a school bully that used to tease Wes Craven. And so I'd say EGOT is come oh, up. Oh my God. That guy yeah. is probably so sick. <laughs> he is. He is big mad on that one. <laughs> yeah, but knowing school bullies, he probably still wears his varsity jacket and he's oh. drinking at Chili's at 2 p.m. and he's trying to tell anybody that will listen that his name, that he's the real Fred Krueger. So. Mm -hmm. If you look at what what we consider to be the greatest Nightmare on Elm Street movie of all time, like yes. I, I, I can hear an argument, obviously, for the original one. I think it's earned its place. 95% certified fresh is very, very high for any horror movie. Mm -hmm. I think it's earned it just on premise alone, and it sets mm -hmm. us up. There's a great kill where Johnny Depp gets sucked into a bed. It's awesome. Beautiful. Yes. But John wonderful. if you give me, if you say, Mark, what's the best Nightmare on Elm Street movie? And I might say it might be my favorite horror movie of all time, not named The Exorcist. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Oh, yeah. Here we go. First of mm -hmm. all, it's directed by Chuck Russell, who would go on to do The Mask. And this film is great because we get peak Freddy being scary and also peak comedy Freddy at the same time. Mm -hmm. Freddy is in full control of his creative kill 
powers. He turns one poor kid into a meat puppet and throws him <laughs> off a roof. He does another thing where he, he's he takes a girl who's addicted to watching television because that's how she'll stay awake. She's watching the Dick Cavett show, mm-hmm. and Dick Cavett makes a cameo in the movie because he turns into Freddy Krueger, and she gets stuffed into the TV set, and then Freddy says, now you're on prime time. It's so good. And the real selling point of this is twofold for me, though, is that it's the return of Heather Langenkamp, maybe the best final girl ever, with apologies to Jamie Lee Curtis, because she was the she played Nancy and she's the original teen in a Nightmare on Elm Street that survives and we think everything's okay. And then she's out. Everybody's out for Freddie, uh, too. And then we get back into her story where she's now a counselor for troubled teens and she can relate to them all too well. So the teens around town, they're seeing these things, they're having these dreams, they're acting weird, send them to this mental institution. She comes in and when there's a sit, there's a sit around and they're just having a meeting, it's a, it's a rap session. And the kids are like, look, you adults just do not get it. You don't understand what we're going through. And then Nancy says, I know who you're talking about. He wears a dirty brown hat. It's like, oh, I still get chills just talking about it. Mm-hmm. And then you have the reveal that I think is such a great reveal for the mythology of A Nightmare on Elm Street. There's this creepy nun who still haunts my mm-hmm. dreams. She's wearing the all-white <laughs> away game habit. It's the color rush habit that she'd wear if she was Thursday night football. And she disappears in the background. Then she starts giving advice to the uh, sort of the head of the institution as far as like what to do. And he just thinks it's like some you know random old nun from the convent. Turns out, very end of the movie, the denouement, if you will, we've saved the day, we think. The world is safe, but for how long? Nancy doesn't make it out alive, RIP. The the head of the institution is looking for this nun. He sees her from a distance, and he runs, and he turns a corner. What does he find? A grave. She's been dead the whole time. It's the ghost, and what's her name? You guessed it. Amanda Kruger. It was Freddie's freaking mom. It was Freddie's mom the whole time. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> God, it's yeah. so good. It, am I am I crazy or does Dream Warriors not deserve its fresh rating? I'm so happy to see it that. Does. Yeah. And no, it does. No, it definitely does. And I will say too, just the idea that they had a movie in that franchise that had that many fresh entries. Halloween would Three die for yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. Halloween yeah. would die for these numbers. It yep. really does. When you think about it, like I would say, where's Evil Dead? Evil Dead, both of them were good, right? Yeah, I prefer yeah. I prefer the second one, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I would just say, like, I, I just I, I really do feel that the whole franchise, uh, average wise, but just also where you look at it, like you could honestly make an argument that it has two, maybe even three top tier entries, depending on the criteria. Yeah. No, yeah. And I and I definitely think Dream Warriors is that one. That is like the definitive. As much as I love Freddy too, uh, uh Dream Warriors is is the best one. And yeah, like Frank Darabont uh helped write the script and like so you have people that like actually care about the franchise. Um and I, I think like especially with that movie, as much as I love it, there's there's so much like even more potential that I think they could have done with it too. Like this movie walks so Inception can run. This movie is pretty Facts. much Inception, if you yeah. really, really think I like about that. it. Ooh, and, that I, was and, a pull. And like, hey, I, yeah. Let's, let's oh. just shout out that pull right oh, okay. there. <laughs> okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm sure someone said it. I'm sure somebody said it. No, before. I really love that. That's um, really smart. But I, uh, yeah, I, I, and there's, cause there's so many cool ideas, cause this is where the, the movies start to become kind of like the kill of the day, where Freddy, they just, they, they start to come up, not so much with Dream Wars, because Dream Wars is actually kind of smart, but with the franchise just overall, the writer is just like, okay, how can we kill people in dreams? And they start doing that. And then they introduce the jokes with, with, with Freddy. But with Dream Wars in particular, it, it rides the line so perfectly 
of being scary and also a little campy and fun with Freddy starting to have those one-liners, but he's doing it in service of tormenting them, not just for the sake of being a joke. And that's what makes that movie so great. And also the same thing with Amanda Kruger popping in. You add in this sort of like classical ho- uh, a ghost story into the mix where like a ghost is like, giving you this information that's trying to help you with the rest of the plot and um it all just kind of comes <laughs> together so beautifully and you know they go down the rabbit hole with the man kruger eventually in in the in four and five and it gets a little crazy um but that one in particular is just so great also i do love that they kill nancy in that movie because and it, you know like studios could probably still do this but they can't really do the the whole like Halloween 2018 where they bring back and they just do a straight sequel because everybody loves Dream Warriors and you're not going to ignore Dream Warriors and Nancy's dead so you can't bring her back can't unless ignore they, Dream Warriors yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, unless they do like a straight sequel to New Nightmare which I think would be interesting and that would probably Ooh. be the best way to go I was like Christian <laughs> anybody, y'all need to get Christian on this thing like I mean I'm Maybe it's that I don't think of horror franchises this way, but I've never examined like which in an entry is the one that you build from. But like right. that is a like new nightmare is also one that I personally like more than the first yeah. one. I wouldn't say it's a better movie. I just like it more. Oh, yeah. There's so much fertile ground there. I, I think with both Dream Warriors and uh, and Wes Craven's new nightmare and you, you can't understate how necessary Wes Craven's new nightmare was to the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise because after we get through Dream Warriors which was part three the next one that I really care about despite my affinity slash terror of Amanda Krueger is Nightmare on Elm Street 6 Freddy's Dead oh, the wow. final nightmare mm. and I love that movie because that just leans so far into Freddy <laughs> doing Thursday night, the late show with the funny bone. And, and part of that is like, I, it was the day that school let out. Me and my mm. buddies ran to the movie theater um, because that was like that nice period in the mid early nineties where whoever was working there did not care if the movies rated art. They're like, just get in here. We just need the business. <laughs> so they, they yeah. handed you the, the, the 3d glasses. That movie wasn't 3d. And so the claws like came at you and it was like a pretty cool theater experience. I, the movie does not hold up as well upon rewatching it, but there's also just a cool factoid in that movie where you are having a dream. And I think one of the counselors in Freddy's dead re- uh, reveals this is that He's having a dream and Freddy's in there. And then right before somebody pulls him out of the dream and he wakes up, he grabs Freddy's sweater and he pulls it. And so you can actually pull stuff from the dream world into the real world. And then that's how you get him. So it's not that well executed as far as how to get Freddy in the end. But it's it's a cool little piece of, oh, we can also do this. So maybe this is how we defeat this Mm -hmm. guy. But after that movie, you watch it and you're like, yeah, we got some good laughs. Now I'm playing with power. There's some funny lines from Freddy you know that we got to entirely reboot this thing or go super meta, which is what Wes Craven ended up doing. Yeah. 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 I have a question for you, uh, Christian, just mm-hmm. out of curiosity with Dream Master. Mm-hmm. Do you think if they, do you think it's like a bad idea to do a sequel off of Dream Master? Or are you just saying it's not going to work as well because off of, of where D- they Dream leave? Warriors. Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. Sorry. Yeah. sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Dream Warriors. I mean, yeah. They, they, I mean, honestly, they could literally say like, oh yeah, she survived, you know, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like they could, they could do whatever they want and I'm sure people will go out and see it and they'll enjoy it. Then they very much could do just a straight sequel to the original Nightmare on Elm Street and people will be like, cause you know, the Halloween franchise has rebooted itself within its franchise and Jamie Lee Curtis has played Laurie Strode as multiple timelines of herself anyways, yeah. even after she's like died. So they could literally do anything. But I think like the the best way to do a 
uh, just a nightmare, a new Nightmare on Elm Street movie is just to like make it a new entry, like make it hmm. number seven, and then just start fresh, start fresh, all new characters. We don't need. I'm I'm I am a little tired of the the nostalgic and and bringing back people from the past, and like I think that's great, giving those people work, but give me some fresh faces. I think the the new Scream movie did a great job of of doing such that they uh, mm. granted they brought back the original cast but they focused so much on the new cast and they were great and so i think and then you also cast a new freddy and you start a new franchise just start a whole new trilogy i mean well, the, fortunately the, we tried that and i, well, I think that's it, it, this is just me putting on my studio exec hat now it's like well we tried that in 2010 yeah by just rebooting a nightmare on elm street with jackie earl haley stepping in mm -hmm. to play the role of freddy krueger and i think that that did actually leave some fans cold because robert yeah. england was still available and capable of playing it they just mm -hmm. wanted to go in a different direction which i understand they had a big rising star rooney morrow was one of the teenagers but that movie, I don't think that it deserves to be where as low as it is on the tomato meter. It's 14%, which is like, yeah, the audience score is 43%. And I think a lot of that is due to this being the first time that maybe a generation saw Freddy Krueger. And, yeah. and so it felt more original then. But mm -hmm. I, I, I'm always up for more Freddy Krueger. I just feel like it's maybe just now in 2022 heading into next year. Now we've left enough time past to get that stench out of the room. The one thing I will say is I think people, what they're realizing now, especially with these reboots, rebits, whatever, this is nothing new. This is the thing I get so irritated with people when they say that. It's like, okay, well, like literally at the beginning of Hollywood, when you have movies like Phantom of the Opera and other things, those were all like silent movies first. And then they made them into black and whites. Then they made them into colors. I'm like, Hollywood does this. It's just the timeline of the reboots and the revamps were longer. Our attention spans and distance between when they decided to do another one of them was longer. And we've just made that shorter. But I don't think it's a bad idea to keep reinventing it. And I think Scream is a good example, Christian. But I would say with Scream, what they did, which is I actually think the new version of the like reboot, whatever, is you have to get the audience in on the joke. Mm. That's what Scream did well. And I think that more than like, if you bring in old people or if you make it completely new, I think the main thing is, is you have to treat the audience like they're smart. That's what I think Scream did that was different is it didn't treat the audience like they were dumb with what they were doing. Yeah, and, and I think they need a director and a writer who truly love the, the property that they're working on. Um, Radio Silence, those guys are huge horror fans and they're great. Their, their movies are fantastic. And so they obviously love, and that's funny because it's also Wes Craven. So, you know, there's also like, I think that's another thing you have to keep in mind too, is like out of respect for him and his work, because he is so vital uh, to the horror genre just in general, because he's made not just one, but two, even some argue three of the greatest horror films of all time. And so mm. that's something I think that also has to be put out there. And, you know, with the 2010 remake that, you know, that guy, the guy who directed it, it was like Samuel Bayer, Bayer. He that was his only film he directed. I think he was like a commercial director. So they just kind of like plucked somebody mm. out to yeah. do that. And, you know. I'm not a fan of that movie. I think there's a lot of stuff that is very interesting. I think Jackie Earl Haley is actually great in that role. Um, I do too. And yeah. it's just a lot of like eh, the stuff that they do with his origin in that movie is just like, uh, because he's always been a child killer and and, and not a not a child predator. It's like that's not fun. Don't don't do that. That's just yeah. get, get that get that out of <laughs> this yeah. fun fantasy horror film. You know. It's, Brian uh, sent me a quick note to remind me of this um, that. 
he was a music video director. Oh, and yeah. I don't remember this particularly, but the one thing I liked about Freddy versus the one thing I liked about Freddy versus Jason is I felt that it was style over substance. Like it was mm-hmm. so like, you know, whatever. This movie didn't seem like it understood that it wanted to be that. Like it almost feels like this is a movie where I feel a lot of push and pull between studio and director. Like yeah. maybe the director wanted it to be more substantive, substantive, substantive or substantial, 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 yeah. substantial. There you mm-hmm. go. She's a writer. You get, the, you get the three of us in a room. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. It's, it, was, uh, it was I think he wanted something more substantial. He wanted something more pushing the envelope. And I think the studio realized very quickly that they needed this. And I think that's why it feels herky jerky. Am I wrong? I think I haven't so. seen it in a long time. It's also it's a platinum platinum doomed movie, right? I think that's yeah. I think that's Michael Bay's company, and that's during the time when every horror film was being remade, and um, so I think that it just get, kind of also gets pitted into all of that. Which I'll even say it, the Friday the Thirteenth remake. I think it's probably the best Friday the Thirteenth movie that we've ever had. It yeah, wasn't bad. It's, it, it, it's, it, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and 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 on Jacqueline's note earlier about how like most horror franchises would kill, literally, Damn. to have three fresh movies that are as highly regarded as Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Friday the Thirteenth, I think it's just that first movie where it's not even Jason showing up yet to kill. It's Jason's mom running around, and it's barely fresh. It's like sixty-two or sixty-three percent, and so from there it was pretty much all downhill for Friday the Thirteenth. I, I still think that you could have done a sequel to that 2010 and Nightmare on Elm Street because it still made some money and you just don't go the Freddy's revenge route. You go right into more of the war and because Freddy wasn't that funny in the first movie. Back in 84, there were a couple barbs that he had, but he was still more menacing than he was hilarious. Then it gradually started enjoying the kills a little too much for most people's temperament. But if we go to the... The, the real question here, when we're all sitting around at bars talking about our favorite horror movies, for each one of y'all, is there a particular, I'll open it up to either a Freddy kill that he does, that's creative, that really got your goat, or just a scare in any of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies that really stand out. For me, it is in Dream Warriors, and it's sort of a riff off of what we saw in the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie where his head comes through the wall. In mm. Dream Warriors, it's like a giant version of Freddy's that coming through the and it takes up like the whole wall and just a really cool look. So I love how he doesn't just kill, he has fun with it. Look, I'm not saying that's the hobby any listeners need to have. You probably shouldn't. But whatever you do, if you love it, it never feels like a job. You if you love what you do and you won't work a day in your life. <laughs> um, uh, Christian, Jacqueline, yeah. y'all got some uh, some great kills, some great moments in Nightmare on Elm Street uh, War for us. I mean, you already said the one, Johnny Depp. Um, mm-hmm. I've watched that kill. That's also a kill that shows up in that video I was talking about. And then about the blood George. shoots up everywhere yeah. and the parents are like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah. And I think they they honestly cast Johnny Depp because he was just so gorgeous. Like they were exactly. like, I think the casting directors were just like, oh, my gosh. And and then he, you know, he started doing his thing in, in acting in the movie. And they're like, oh, wow, he's such a he's such a great talent. Um, uh, I think for me, uh, I think the scariest moment for me is in the first nightmare movie um, when Freddie is walking down the alley 
and his arms start stretching out. I think it's just it's such a perfect blend of like dreamscape and and realism because you don't know if she's dreaming or she's awake. And then he starts stretching his arms and doing all these things and taunting her by scratching his nails against the wall and just really, really tormenting her, really driving in that fear. So that way he can he can get her. I think that's terrifying for me. But my favorite moment in the entire franchise is from Nightmare 4, which is uh, the Dream Master. There's a moment when the Alice character and um, I don't know if it's her boyfriend, but Dan, the character, they are on their way to go rescue a friend and they get stuck in this time loop. And you don't you don't they don't yes. they don't notice it. They, they do it like three times where they get in their truck, they drive off, they they like turn a like turn a corner or they're about to go into the house and then they come back out through where they just started and it just keeps going. And it's such a perfect little like, oh, yeah, that's a dream. And I think that's that's like a little lightning in a bottle moment for them, especially because for that movie, they're just like, well, what are we going to do? And then, oh, we have this dream loop sequence that we can do. That's really cool. And I just think that's that's perfect. Like, I want more like really messing with not just the characters, but also mess with the audience a little bit, like make some weird, weird dreamlike stuff in these movies, because as long as you establish like what the rules are, then you can start playing with them. Because if I have any like gripe with the franchises, like establish those rules a little bit better, because they do do that in the first movie. Like Mark, what you were mentioning about pulling stuff from out of the dream. And that's how you can get Freddy and pull him into the real world, real world eventually. Right. Right. Establish those a little bit better. And then you can start to have your fun. Yeah, but and I love that a lot of these kills too, especially the time loop one you're talking about. It sort of puts us, the audience, in that state where we don't know if we're asleep or awake anymore. And mm-hmm. and if you you know if you're like a moron in college, you're trying to get in a fraternity. It's like they have like those stunts, like try to stay awake for 36 hours or whatever. And and I can't yeah. even I can't stay awake for five hours now in my in my normal day. But <laughs> it, it it like kind of puts you in that like really deep like meditate. Like I don't know where I am right now. I need to rest, and mm-hmm. I'm terrified to do it. I think the perfect mix of everything that we've seen from Freddy happens in Wes Craven's new nightmare. And it's when Nancy realizes exactly what the hell is the source of all this weird stuff that's going on with her, with her kid, with her life. Mm-hmm. And she's in bed and she opens, she lifts up the covers and she looks there. Then Freddy's head is right there. And he just looks so sinister. And he just says, miss me. Because mm-hmm. it's it's Freddy being a little funny, but it's not Freddy telling jokes. It's also Freddy being like, this is demon Freddy. And he is coming after you. We cannot stop this conversation here in Movie Talk until we also reference. I might be in the minority here. I feel like the Freddy's theme is Mm -hmm. scarier than either Friday the 13th or all apologies to the legend John Carpenter. Halloween because this was the first one that I remember like my sister and I staying up late looking in the bathroom mirror and singing it seeing if anything comes through. The one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Just the piano, the dun 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 dun. dun, dun. It's so good, and it still gives me chills when I hear it today. Best horror movie theme, Jacqueline Coley. Is it this, or do you go to the OG, another JC, John Carpenter? John Carpenter or this? <laughs> Tubi Rebels from Exorcist really gets. That's me a good too. one. Yeah. I mean, if the I had Omen, to say. My- uh, no, I would have to say my favorite horror franchise, if I had to pick a franchise and y'all are going to hate me for it, is Leprechaun. It is. Mm. It always will be. This girl does I... not want to get scared, Christian. She just, no. She's here for the laughs. <laughs> it's she's... the best. It's the best. 
it's the best. I'm yeah. sorry. It's the best as far as what I want out of a horror movie mm -hmm. because my favorite horror movies are horror comedies to begin with. I cannot think of a movie that just really terrified. And most of the horrors that I really like the best are like more horror thrillers. So if mm -hmm. you're just looking for something that I think can live in at least the we are really trying to scare you genre. Yeah. Leprechaun. There's scary yeah. moments in Leprechaun. You cannot deny it. Oh, yeah. And and Christian, I will say, just piggybacking off your Inception point, which was a lot more highbrow than what I'm about to say, <laughs> you don't get Leprechaun unless you get Freddy first. You, you don't get that guy running around cracking yeah. jokes unless Freddy pioneered it a, a decade before. Yeah. Uh, Christian Rubalcaba, you can take the music cue. You can take any <laughs> other scene, any other movie that you want to uh, kind of close up shop here. You have the last word in movie talk for the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Oh, if I'm going a, a Nightmare theme, I'm doing DJ uh, Jazzy Jeff with the Fresh Prince theme for the Nightmare on Elm Street one. The Nightmare on My Street, I think that's what it was called. Oh, it's a great little song. Remember go that, check, yeah. Go check that song out, it's a good one. Um, oh, I well see done. the theme, good one, good one on the theme. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I, you know, uh, as far as like themes go, uh, yeah, I think the Nightmare one is definitely underrated. I think it should be talked about a lot more because yeah we do talk about like john carpenter's theme especially with him coming back and doing the new movies the I fact think that his, it's him playing it is cool it, yeah, yeah i that's think fair. the best thing about those movies as of, i haven't seen halloween ends at the time of this recording yet uh but the best thing about those movies is the score that he's doing with his sons and it's just yeah. brilliant 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 stuff yeah um but uh yeah no just uh those things are, are really great and um yeah i just i love this franchise so much i'm glad they didn't go to space um, maybe maybe Leprechaun went to space first, and then it was Jason X. I can't remember if, which one came first, so maybe uh, we can give some credit to Leprechaun or not. We have to fact check those, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I love this franchise, and I, I want to see more. I want to see like a Mike Flanagan tackle a Nightmare on Elm Street because I think That's that would be fair. I think that would be perfect, absolutely. And I think yeah. he's been gunning for it. I think I've seen some yeah. tweets from him where he's like, oh, I can take a stab at this. I would, I would love to see that. And I think it's been enough time for us to to do the that. Time the time is right. Have the kid from Stranger Things, the the guy who played Vecna, he pretty much played Freddy Krueger in in that in that show. Ooh, so have him okay. play him. So interesting. All right, yeah, Heather Langenkamp, one of the great final girls of all time. Justice for Kincaid didn't get enough run. Killed him oh, off way yeah. too early in the Dream Master for my taste. Mm -hmm. But uh, look, we could gripe all day about the little issues we have with Nightmare on Elm Street. It's an incredible horror franchise, and I think that Jack and I agree with Christian Rubalcaba. It's time to have this See the Light of Day once again. Let's get more Freddy in our lives. Christian Rubalcaba, I can't believe this is the first time I've actually had you as a guest here on Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. You were fantastic. You aced the test as we knew you would. Uh, thanks for joining us. Where can everybody find the stuff you're working on, including some of these great horror shorts that you put out uh, with your company, Amateur Hour Films? It's really good, scary stuff. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, we do uh, occasional short films and sketches on YouTube uh, on Amateur Hour Films. Just look us up on YouTube. Uh, got a couple up there now. We released a, a short film last Halloween that we shot like in a week and then we just put it up. It's called Grandma. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and we actually have a, a Halloween fan film that we shot years ago, like almost like six years ago, called The Shape. Um, go check that one out. That's uh, That one's coming up on its anniversary. And uh, yeah, just working on a couple of other things right now. Uh, just uh, enjoying spooky month and uh, yeah go check out our podcast The Wanger Show it's a lot of fun you creative types The Wangers is every Monday night the uh, the fellas get together uh, occasionally they're joined by a guest it's always a good time with a couple beers being thrown back and so uh, if, as we say goodnight here Christian you got a quick movie or TV recommendation for us uh, particularly for this time of year something that the kids need to have on the radar 
I, I mean, I think uh, if if we're talking Nightmare on Elm Street, go. Most of these movies are streaming right now and uh, on various platforms. So I'd go check them out if you can find the documentary Never Sleep Again, and yes. you can and you have six or seven hours of, of your time. Uh, go and and check that out because it is fantastic, especially if you love these movies. Uh, and I'll even throw in the the Friday the Thirteenth one because there's also like a ten hour documentary on all the Friday the Thirteenth movies in the same style as Never Sleep Again. Go watch those. Those are a lot of fun. Great Jaws documentary gave behind the scenes on The Exorcist on Shudder. A lot of good stuff for horror fans to get below skin deep. But you can email us anytime. RT is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com. Subscribe, rate, review to this podcast. Whatever your preferred platform asks you to do, do it for us because you just care that much about your friends here at Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. That is Jacqueline Coley. Wonderful to have you back and uh, and looking better than ever, covering stuff all over the world. Thank you for joining us, talking about some subject matter that, you know, not always the best. For you, but it I enjoyed was our time together. For me, like, it, I enjoyed our time together, sir. Don't take it for like that I didn't. I enjoyed our time. Next week, we're keeping the creeps and the scares, and we're taking it outer space because we're talking about Event Horizon. That's going to be a really fun one. We with need to talk about every scene with Mr. Fish. With Mr. Fish, Mr. Fishburn, who was in Nightmare on Elm Street three. There we yeah. go. And uh, that's going to do it for us here today. Thank you all so much for joining us at Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. For the whole gang here, I am Mark Ellis. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, to quote Freddy Krueger, you have the body, I have the brain. 